Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with Michael Swede. This is Bloodlines and Your Folk Radio for August 30th, 2020. It's being pre-recorded a day ahead of time. But, wow, what a, what a week and weekend we have here, folks. We are exper- the world is on fire. The world is on fire. And uh, Michael's ne- neck of the woods in Sweden, in the city of Malmo, Violent riots erupted, and uh, the Muslims uh, started torching their own neighborhood because a Swedish artist uh, staged a stunt. You want to tell people about it, Michael? This is crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah, I really recently got this article where I read it. So, yeah, it wasn't a Swedish. It was a Danish. Uh, they called him far-right. Uh, um, he started apparently a, a political far-right uh, uh, party, but I get a bit uh, miss. I don't know. I get a bit. Uh, I'm questioning. I get suspicious when I read that they go and do this stuff because uh, this is like, uh, why would you do something like that? It feels pretty stupid to go and and put fire on it because I don't okay. know. I, it feels like poking poking them. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Well, I mean, this is you know the far right wing. They like to imitate Hitler. Uh, there have been groups in America that have done book burnings, you know, of uh, Jewish books and uh, pornography and stuff like that. They uh, b- build a bonfire. But usually it's uh, uh, planned well ahead of time and the police are there. So I guess this guy just dumped a bunch of books in the street, set them on fire and filmed it. And, and then, it was one book, apparently, the Quran, Ibernity. They, yeah. they are a member of this, what they call it, Strom Kush, or Hardline. Uh-huh. And they are they are from Danish, Danish political. I don't know why with a Danish group over to Malmö, that is Malmö, that is the most, uh, the, what to say, there you have the most um, concentration of, of, uh, of immigrants in, okay. in, in what it's called. So why would those one go over there and try to do this kind of stuff here just poking it to just want to ignite a fire it's like a spark putting a spark in a fire so when i i get the feeling something spooky going on and they're doing like this because aren't this we see those what you call them uh, typical um control oppositions yeah it's uh, possible the, yeah, yeah that yeah that's only they only poke on the islam this oh they are a problem they are the problem right. they never talk about the other so they yeah. this is for me I get a bit suspicious. That's my initial yeah. thoughts when I see this and read this, that why would those Danish people go over to Sweden in Malmö and do yeah. this? It's like, were, wow. they, were they bust in like uh, George Soros buses in Antifa and Black Lives Matter into various cities so they can riot and burn the place down, right? Is Maybe that's what's happening, right? But here... Yes, yeah. because also, it also know that that this um, group, they, they um, I don't know who said this about, was it Lenin or Stalin? They, they talk about the, about um, oppositions. Well, they ruled oppositions. They, they have both sides of them. They are, they are controlling the opposition as well. So could also be right. a, something well, like that. Okay, I could see for the purpose of declaring martial law. That, you know, and you know, because we've had so many staged events by the international Jew and their their local representatives here, the FBI, CIA, Mossad, and others, that uh, they have staged so many of the. But they, in the past, those have been staged in order to get rid of the Second Amendment here in America, and even in Australia and Britain, they've done it in those countries so they can uh, take arms away from, you know, law-abiding citizens. 
And so I, I can see that as, uh, you know, martial law. I, I can't see any other reason for, you know, staging such demonstrations. But let's assume that this is just a stunt. That What's the guy's name? This... Uh, yeah, he was then, let's see, I, I did see his name. I will scroll okay. in this article and see if okay. he was Rasmus, what was the name? Right. I'm scrolling in the article to find his name. Yeah. Well, here. Ah, what? Yeah. Okay, okay, here. This is the far-right Danish political party founded by lawyer and anti-Islam activist Rasmus Paludan. So, well, he founded by lawyer. Lawyer? Founded yes. by a lawyer? Okay. Okay. There's, there's, there's such things as right-wing right -wing lawyers. Not too many. <laughs> Maybe one in a million, right? But, uh, okay, so let's assume that it was just a publicity stunt, and he dumped a bunch of Quran books in the street, set them on fire, and proceeded to film. So so here's what happens. Here's how, the description here from RT.com. I guess it's Russian television. I'm not sure. Uh a wave of chaotic unrest broke out in Malmo, Sweden, after anti-Islam activists filmed a public Koran burning, sparking protests that soon descended into riots with unruly demonstrators setting fires and clashing with police. Now, it wasn't the right-wing demonstrators who set the neighborhood on fire. They just set this pile of books on fire. It was the Muslims who proceeded to set the whole neighborhood on fire. Can you believe this? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I'm, okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah, it's, this uh, is this is crazy, absolutely crazy. Now we're getting word that something is going on in Germany. There's rioting going on in Germany. You've probably heard about the Kenosha, Wisconsin riots, where Kyle, uh, I forget what his last name is, uh, a 17-year-old white boy, Kyle, who defended himself with a rifle, uh, plugged a couple of uh, blacks and Jews, and uh, he's getting kudos on the Internet for that. <laughs> All right. And, uh, so, and so they proceeded to burn down uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and I guess there's another riot in uh, Minneapolis. Something, some black guy committed suicide, and uh, so the, the blacks in Minneapolis proceeded to torch it again. Yeah, I did send. I think I uh, read that just before we started up. That okay. uh, and I sent also the Wisconsin YouTube clip. So I haven't read more into it, but yeah, yeah. apparently. Okay, so. So this is a trigger mob. All you have to do, now this is a new tactic against the enemy, folks. You don't actually have to attack the enemy. All you have to do is dump a pile of books in the middle of the street, set them on fire, get your camera out, film it, and then watch the blacks and Muslims and other minorities torch their own neighborhood. Okay? Yeah. All you have to do is trigger them. You don't even have to commit any acts of violence against them. That's how crazy these people are. That's how unruly these people are. And these people vote? These people vote in our elections? Really? Uh, continuing here. Some 300 people gathered along a main thoroughfare in Malmo on, on Friday around 7.30 p.m. local time to protest after members of a far-right political... No, this is after... Members of a far-right political party staged a Koran burning earlier in the day. So this happened much later. According to local press reports, I guess maybe the, uh, the embers of the books hadn't been put out yet. And still fresh in the memory of the rioters, or the, the trigger mob. 
the trigger mob. All you have to do is trigger these people. As the crowd grew, fires were ignited in the street and several cars were torched, prompting a heavy police response that struggled to bring the situation under control. So, the rioting was done not by white people, not by right-wing whites, but by Muslims primarily, it looks like here. So, so how is the mass media going to you know, report this story? The riot started by right-wing mob. <laughs> Right? That's what the mainstream media is going to say. Right, Michael? Yeah, they probably uh, twisted it some uh, some way in that way. And they probably also will say that uh, this will continue. This, uh, um, I don't know what. And then also they come, I guess, also that they will also say that the police needs to be more present in the area. You know, all this stuff. They only use then, okay, more police will solve the problems. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. And then uh, they'll be like the police in in Israel and America where they just beat people up, right? And they're doing that in India too. Uh, A lot of police forces around the world, they just beat people up these days, okay? But they, they never beat up the rioters. They beat up innocent people. Okay, so yeah, this is uh, Russian television. So, folks, this is what's happening in the world. I mean, uh, we are in the end times because rioting is global, lockdown is global, the uh, COVID nineteen hoax is global, and we better get ready for you know the, the worst. You know, because martial law—they're going to use all of these riots as a pretext for martial law. Okay, that's what's going to happen, folks. All right, just thought we would. Alert you to what's going on in the world. Get uh, some real reporting here, and I'm sure if you watch mainstream media, you're going to get a totally different spin on what's been happening lately. So, well, country after country after country, you're seeing these kind of riots, and it's all being uh, staged. Yeah, most of it is being staged by Soros and company. However, it looks like this one just was spontaneous. It's easy to trigger these mobs. Very easy. Okay, now we're, we're doing this article by Arnold Kennedy on the uh, Holy Family and the Holy Family's relationship to British royalty and Roman royalty. And so we're going to continue with that shortly, but I, I came across this email that I exchanged with Arnold Kennedy a long time ago. This is dated uh, Friday, 27 October 2006 where I was trying to explain to Arnold that we need to change our language. We can't use the word Jew to apply to the tribe of Judah, because the tribe of Judah is a racially segregated group of people, totally distinct in character, uh, in race, in uh, culture, in uh, law, the, the law that they follow, totally different from uh, the Judeans, who were primarily Edomites. You always have to make a distinction between a Judean and a Judite, especially because many Judeans were Edomites. So you can't refer, it's like uh, cowboys and Indians. You always have to distinguish between cowboys and Indians to get the two sides straight. And if you have a word that designates both cowboys and Indians at the same time, which is what the word Jew does, well, yeah, you're creating nothing but confusion. So I was telling uh, Arnold what you should do is use the word Judah and Judahite for the tribe of Judah and use the word Jew for Edomite Jews 
and then you, sh you should use the word Judean to mean residents of the country. Okay, so you actually have to have three separate words to keep these categories distinct. Judahite, Judean, and Jew. Does that make sense to you, Michael? Yeah, yeah, and that's nothing to be used. That should also, I guess, be used um, used today as well. In our well, now, now those those former tribes, I guess, we have been we emerged now into our new nations now. So now we are using well. American, yeah. the, yeah, the, the, the Americans that you are, right. uh, the one that consists of them, or that that founded America, the one that founded Britain, the one that founded yeah. Sweden. Those they will refer to as Swedish, and then people, and then yes, they that not not because you call yourself you are Swede doesn't mean you are of the mm -hmm. of that racial stock, right? But so this is the same same story again, I believe, with this. Uh, they are trying to say that just because you're leaving that nation, then you are a, a Swede, you are an American, you are a British. Uh, no, you are not. Yes, yes. So uh, Arnold writes to me, Eli, it seems to me that we have created the word, or that I have created the word Judahite, when there is no language backing for such a word. Yes, it is nice and convenient, but the Israelite Jews, he says, the Israelite Jews... In all those verses I referred to are all within the compass of Judeans. Well, yeah, okay, there are Judahite Judeans, and there are Edomite Judeans, okay? So you have to keep the, the but he's using the word Jew to apply to all of those, to so Judahites, Jews, Edomites, Judeans, he's using the word Jew to refer to all these, and that just creates confusion. So my response to him is, quote, Arnold, Judahite is merely a specification of men of Judah, just as there were Benjaminites, Zebulonites, Asherites, Reubenites, Simeonites, and Danites. There were and are Judahites, and this word applies to those racial descendants of the tribe of Judah and nobody else. The word Jew can in no way be used to specify that racial category. We have our own, just as you We have Danites, we have Swedes, we have Americans, we have British. And you can't, you know, what are they? They're Anglo-Saxons, <laughs> right? Most of them are Anglo Caucasians. They're all Caucasians. But they're all of the same race. But the Jews are not the same race. And this, so this word Judahite applies to the racial descendants of the tribe of Judah. The word Jew can in no way be used to specify that racial category. Your attempt to do so is misguided. By referring to Judahites as Jews, you automatically lump them in with the Edomites of Judea. Is it, isn't this what the word Jew does, Michael? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's the problem. I think you and me have been doing uh, numbers of show about this to show that there are a difference between those uh, those um, those differences. You have probably those three categories. words. You have yeah. well, I refer them to as Edomites because I think the other three letters word are a made up word. So that's why I'm just referring them to Edomites. And then we have, of course, yes. the, the racial tribe of Judah. And then you have the Judeans in that in that time. And the Judeans were, yeah, they could be both an Edomite. They could be an, an Judahites. They they just describe um, the, the 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 citizens of that area. Right, or resident, doesn't necessarily have to yeah. be a citizen, you know, because yeah. uh, Jerusalem was a cosmopolitan city. There were traders, caravans passing through that, you know, city all the time, okay? So it, they can't be all Judahites, okay? And to use the word Jew 
to uh, designate Judahites is doing them an injustice because they're not Edomites, okay? You have to keep these distinctions clear in your mind in order to convey a proper story, to, to analyze the situation correctly. You can't do that when you're using fuzzy language. And the word Jew, the way uh, Arnold was using it, is fuzzy. I challenge you to show where a single instance of the word Jew is justified in the Old Testament. In every instance, the original Hebrew is Judah, not Jew. The Jews want us to believe that they are the Judahites of the Bible when we know that they are Edomites and Canaanites. Please show me where the Old Testament is improved by inserting the modern word Jew in place of the original Hebrew Judah. Okay, I don't know how I can be any clearer in uh, asking this question. Right? So the word Jew has been imposed upon Scripture to uh, impute a Judahite, and so that people in, in their minds automatically assume that Jews and Judahites are the same people. No, they are not. The Jews are Judeans. That's where the word really comes from. It comes from Judean, which is simply a territorial designation. And those can be Edomites, Judahites, and anybody else who happens to be living in Judea at the time. All right? So it's just like, uh, that's why we have hyphenated words here in America. Like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, African-American, uh, you know, Latin-American, you know. But the real Americans were white. We don't, Americans are white. You don't have to hyphenate the word. Okay? And so that same applies to the word Judah. It should not be shortened to Jew, because that is a shortening of the word Judean, not of Judah. In the Old Testament, when you, wherever you see the word Jew, it's been imposed on the uh, translation by the translators. That's the only way the word Jew appears in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, because you do have a hodgepodge, a racial hodgepodge in Judea, the word Jew can be applied, but even there, it's better to be specific and use the word Judean. And reserve the word Jew for those people who call themselves Jews. Namely, the people we know, the non-Judahite, non-Israelite, Edomite, Canaanite, Jew. Okay? That's the word they choose for themselves, so let them have it. Over to you. Yeah, yeah, I can... Yeah, so the, as you said, that, that uh, distinctions between the, um, the different uh, groups is important. Otherwise, you get confused and, and you lose one of the keys to understand the scriptures. Right. And that also then in, in the, when you read it, uh, I believe that words should even never be in the Bible. They shouldn't even be put in there because yeah. it's never appropriate. Uh, that's the, it's all, it should never be appropriate. So you should always strike it out from for me that's because right. it's wrong it should be judah eugenes or judites right. that's it's how you should read it yeah, yeah it's one or the other get right yeah now in the modern terms because the the jews call themselves jews and that's the name they have chosen for themselves in the modern era right we should stick to that but in in bible translation no you should stick to judean and judahite or, or if, if you can be more specific and talk about Edomites and Canaanites, because that's where the Pharisees came from. They, were, they came from Edom, not from Judah. And if you can't distinguish, you, if you can't make that distinction, then you can't distinguish between cowboys and Indians. 
that's how ridiculous this word Jew is. So it should not be in Scripture, should not be used to translate any words in Scripture, but it can be applied to the modern people called Jews because that's what they call themselves. All right, I don't know if I can be any clearer about it. Okay. No, I think that's very appropriate to um, state it, state it clearly, clearly. Right. Okay, so uh, let's see. There was a question from last time. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, let, let me back up to a, a paragraph that we read, <clears throat> excuse me, last week that uh, somebody in the chat room had a question about. And it says here, this is where uh, Arnold Kennedy goes into Penardum, Bran, Caractacus, who was a British king, uh, Gladys, British princess who married a Roman nobleman, Rufus Pudens, and changed her name to Claudia and became host to the Apostle Paul. Okay, These people were all related to each other, is what um, Arnold Kennedy is trying to tell us here. And then in the next paragraph he says, and Paul says in Romans 16.3, so it should be salute. It says salute. It should be salute. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. If this is the same Rufus, then Paul and Rufus were half-brothers. Remember that Paul was a Roman citizen also, but not by race. Okay, and so I didn't catch this when we were reading through it. They, in fact, are the same race. And this is something that Arnold Kennedy doesn't realize either, that the Romans were descendants of Zara Judah. That is how Paul became related to these people, because Zara Judah had occupied Rome and, uh, and Troy, and the Trojans... Oh, sailed over to Britain and founded London, Londinium, right? Care Troy. The original name of London is Care Troy, New Troy. These people are all related by by blood, Zarajuda. So they are the same race. Okay, so here again, Arnold Kennedy plays fast and loose with words, not being careful. So the fact is, Paul was a Roman citizen, but and by, he was a Roman citizen by race. He was also an Israelite by race because the Romans descended from Zerah Judah are the same race as the Judahites in Judea. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, couldn't, no, I'm just no, questioning because I guess the Roman Empire was very vast. It was vast. So oh, yeah. I guess they also incorporated non-Adamites into this into this. Um, empire was under them, so they were yeah they were also they were Roman citizens as well, but they weren't of the of the same race. Okay, I think at the time that Paul was a Roman citizen, the Roman Empire had not yet begun importing black slaves and Indian slaves into the city of Rome and the suburbs, etc. Okay, so but uh, even most of those even most of those slaves were Adamites. Okay, but uh, when they started in in uh, importing black Africans and other races into Rome to do their work, to become house servants and things like that, that's when Rome really started to degenerate. Okay, so I think at this point in time, Rome was still pretty much a uh, a white, you know, a white uh, empire. 
Okay, except that maybe at the fringes, where even in uh, Britain, you know, when Rome invaded Britain and when they invade Germany, it was all white people. <laughs> it was still all white people. Only when yeah. they went into Africa and started uh, importing black slaves, did the you know, racial character change. Okay, so that was a good catch by the lady who uh, you know. This was a uh, again Kennedy's not clear with his words, and he, uh, I don't think he understands that Rome was founded by Zarajuda. He may, may not understand that, okay? And then, so the next, uh, so Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin, even if he was a Roman by citizenship, but this does not change, uh, the Romans were of the same race as the Israelites. In fact, most of them were Israelites, and uh, the, Paul proves this, when he says, refers to the Romans as a broken-off branch. So if, if your branch be broken off, that means that, and he also refers to them as not having gone under the cloud, meaning the cloud from the Exodus, because Zarah left Egypt before the Exodus and uh, you know, settled, all, all, settled in Spain, Italy, Peloponnesus, Iceland, Ireland, Rome, Scot- I'm, I'm sorry, Britain, Scotland, etc. Okay, so our people got around. That's one of the major points that Arnold Kennedy is making in this article: is that our people were world travelers already, and still were world travelers when all these events took place. Okay, this these events were not totally isolated in Palestine. Our people, like like Joseph of Marathia, had tin mines in Cornwall. Okay, he, he was a major player in the in the tin trade. So you have to perceive that uh, this is uh, not isolated history, and because the vast majority of Judeo-Christian, you know, commenters do not understand that the Israelites were world travelers already. Okay, had discovered America uh, probably 1000 B.C. Okay, and if you don't understand how, how our people got around in the ships, then you simply don't understand the history of Israel. Over to you. Yeah, that is the uh, to because I, the the world the our people in a yeah, biblical sense and for we have all those societies were very sophisticated and they were yes. like almost like today and that is something that they want to demean of course in history and believe now you have in the stone age you know they want to demean to say that that didn't exist they want to because they want to because I believe much of that is just fairy tales because they want to cover up the true history of our people I realize yeah. that because that's what they learn teach out out in the schools. The, those the migrations, then they just talk about Stone Age, Bronze Age, Iron Age, you know, all, all right. this stuff. But it yeah. doesn't have anything to do with real history. And they cover up this the sophistication of our people, how they got around, how they were able to navigate. They they could navigate without the GPS. Come on. They right. used to, they, <laughs> really? <laughs> I know people who can't even drive without a GPS. Yeah. They, they, so those people, they really know. They know the ways of yeah, of God, I believe they, yeah. they that was the inspiration they have gotten because he yeah. told them how to do it and they come around and they were so and those societies were very sophisticated with yes, they were. trades with uh, yeah, I believe it was much more sophisticated. I know it is because you read it in the Bible that they are sophisticated. Yes, yeah, and uh, there were world travelers already and uh, our seafarers 
were were the top-notch seafarers in the world. And of course they were they manned the ships of the Phoenician ships as well, okay? So the Israelite sailors were the best in the world. Absolutely no doubt about it, okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And we still are. I still exactly we still are and mm-hmm. we can look how how brilliant they could be able to bring in all the material for the building uh, use yeah, Solomon's porch building the temple right they all over the world we get gather all the materials for that in America you get all the metals and gold the silvers and everything and yeah, copper. So I can just imagine how how beautiful and magnificent that was that building yeah, it had to be right Amen. yeah it had to be yeah of course it had to be it was the temple of our God mm-hmm. so of course. So and all this, just look at the big, uh, the big temp- the buildings you made with those really r- large stones, and they could get, and they had the distance between between the stones. You can barely get in a knife between them. Yep, <laughs> you know you can't, not even a you razor can't. blade. Yeah, right. Yeah, you can't exactly. And, and today, look at today, uh, how much you have to do in those in the gaps. I don't know the English word for it, but yeah, the gaps today are much bigger. Yep. And still, look at the buildings yeah. you did before. They are much more beautiful. They have much more of a soul than today. So just look at what we have been able to do. So I think uh, our society has been, yeah, declining because of the love of money. Yeah, right, right. And, and, and Jew corruption, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, yeah, the, yeah, money. yeah. Of course, the academia does not want to admit that there was a high-level situ- uh, civilization before the Bronze Age, before the Stone Age, right? In fact, uh, I don't even think there was a Stone Age. Uh, everything points to civilization just appearing overnight. Okay, yeah. it just. I believe appear- you. Yeah. I believe you as as the same as those those three ages. They say they are basically fairy tales to cover up the migration and the yeah. and the high level society that they exist because that would yeah. uh, shatter their their views. That will crush yeah. their worldview about everything has come up out of nowhere this loon this right. badness of being um, we just in a big soup this atheist came up with that it wasn't a Soviet from right. the yeah, evolutionist an evolutionist yeah, right yeah yeah exactly. that's what it's all about is pr- to promote evolution as opposed to true history well I mean Gobekli Tepe is a perfect example a uh, German archaeologist discovered this in uh, northeast Turkey it uh, it is the oldest archaeological site in the world, eight thousand BC, and it possibly even earlier. And it's it's a fully developed city, fully developed city, which was abandoned for some odd reason. They can't explain why it was abandoned, but it was abandoned, and uh, it uh, it has, shows all the sophistication of archaeological sites many thousands of years later. Okay, so. There was no there was no progression from Stone Age to Bronze Age to Iron Age to blah blah blah. You know, obviously, there there was such a progression, but it does not uh, it does not cause civilization. Civilization is already here, okay, in, in full bloom. And the same thing is true for Sumeria. Sumeria just appeared. Egypt just plain appeared. There was no gradual development of tools and things like that in Egypt. It, the, the, the Mitzrayim, the sons of Ham, just arrived and brought civilization with them. That's how it works, right? Okay, so the academic explanation for how civilization came to be is just wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And of course, they will never admit that, 
because they they must militate against the biblical narrative. All right, so this, this is what we're dealing with. Okay. I'm just sorry. I'm just pounding upon how could you, as a researcher, as a historian, live like that to not be able to really find how it is to still build up those fairy tales. I'm just pounding on my mind. How could you live with yourself not to able to really want to know how it really was? Yeah, that's for me. It's amazing. I don't know. I don't know. You use the word amazing, but I can't understand. Well, these academics are are paid handsomely to you know. Purvey the the orthodox narrative. Uh, anybody with a new idea is automatically shunned. Okay, so you, you cannot get a new idea across to academics. They, they don't want to hear it. Okay, they certainly don't want to hear any refutation of the the fable of evolution. Okay, and so that's why they don't want to hear about giants, right? But all kinds of bones of giants have been discovered all over the world. And people, you see, and in fact, there were still giants in uh, the previous century, the the turn of the 19th century. There were still lots of giants everywhere, living giants. I mean, eight, nine, ten feet tall giants, right? And uh, you know, there's movies of them. There's, uh, we have, uh, they're mummies, okay? But this is all being swept under the carpet by the establishment because they don't want the biblical narrative to outshine the fable of evolution. This is the reality of academia today. Okay. Yeah, they're just they are the gatekeepers to keep right. us away oh. from, from right. the true history. Yeah, Bill Gateskeepers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you want to pick it up? Uh, did the Virgin Mary live and die in Britain? Oh, yeah, I okay. will. Uh, did the Virgin Mary live and die in Britain? So we must get into the reality of years immediately following the birth of Jesus and try to relive, re- relieve the excitement, expectation, and even disbelief his would have en- engendered. I don't know. I have a hard time sometimes to read his text. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's difficult to read. He, he's yeah. got bad grammar. <laughs> it's not incorrect grammar, it's bad grammar. And then okay. he, yeah, and his phrasing is very unusual. Maybe it's because he's a New Zealander. I don't know. <laughs> All right. yeah, so Back, I'm, still, yeah. I'm sorry if I'm butchering words, but yeah. thank you for helping me out yeah. with this word sometimes. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, if we accept that Jesus was indeed born of a, of a virgin, as the Bible tells us, yes, of course he was, that uh, Austro- uh, astrologers of both Babylon and Jerusalem had been predicting the conjunction of the three stars for years, that the star of Bethlehem actually appeared, that the manger was visited by wise men, magi, or astrologers from the east. Yes, yeah, sir. from the east. And those people were from the from the tribe of uh, yeah, Judites. They were the they were from the uh, Parthian Empire, I believe. Amen. Yes. That hurled that hurled angels did exhort the shepherds where Jesus was, and uh, that Herod did conduct a slaughter of the innocents out of fear, newborn king. Then the various questions we have asked simply demand an answer. As the Magi saw the stars in the east, they must have been in the west. And some 
present evidence that they came from Britain to Palestine. Oh, that's possible. I hadn't considered that. Okay. Yeah, it was, that could also be the case. But they didn't they come on horses? They were like a big army coming. Horses and ca- horses and camels. Yeah, I think he's yeah. wrong about this. Uh, the star in the east uh, would have been seen in Parthia. It's very clear from historical records that uh, because there was a truce between Rome and Parthia at the time. Okay, and that was the only reason that the Magi would have been able to come from the east. Okay, so the translation, the star in the east, it would have been seen everywhere. <laughs> it would have been seen everywhere. But the significance of it, you know, I think the translators would say they followed the star. Well, no, they, they followed the star in the sense that an astrologer would follow a sign. Okay. And it was basically the the star uh, uh, Regulus. The star Regulus was in Leo, and that's that's the sign they followed. And it would appear in in Leo uh, everywhere around the world. This would have been a sign, however, to the Parthians that the Messiah had come. Okay, and so they would have gone to Jerusalem because that's where the the birth of Christ was anticipated. That's that's how they followed the star. It wasn't a literal following of the star. Over to you. Yeah. Yes, I agree. So I believe he's wrong to say they come from Britain. I believe I yeah. believe they were Parthians because yes. of the vast army that did came. It wasn't just three people. They were like a huge army that was oh, yes, coming. They were. And, that was, and that was why Harold was shaking. That's a reference to how he was shaking. Uh, it's also uh, written in the Bible that he was shaking of those when they come. He didn't shake with three people. He shaked no. because of the army. He thought it was an invasion when they that's come. That's right. That's right. And also, this also gives us here, we see that they have those um, astrologers, both in Babylon and Jerusalem. This also tells about the sophistication that they did had then, and they could predict those stuff. Look today, we cannot predict anything. <laughs> Not even COVID-19. <laughs> they, they have to fake it, right? Yeah, fake mm-hmm. it. That's, that's mm-hmm. just, yeah, and people are... Uh, and they can't perceive it's fake. That's me. Okay, now I'm digressing. <laughs> but still, this shows the, how sophisticated they were. They were so sophisticated and everything. So this also puts puts the rest to that that the people before were like they didn't they lived in caves. Like uh, no, I don't believe no. that. No, and it's lies. <laughs> yes, right. Will, oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry for digressing. Okay. okay, it is reasonable to accept that if they had remained in Palestine, this unique conception. Um, surrounded by such uh, by such unusual event would have been so quickly forgotten that Jesus and his mother could have lived there without pub- uh, publicity or comment for some thirty odd years. Okay, uh, well, I'm I'm not sure. Is he referring to Britain here? Uh, had they remained in Palestine, uh, I I think. You know, Mary remained in Palestine for a few years, and then uh, uh, what the Bible tells us is that uh, the Holy Family was put on a boat and set adrift—I mean, a raft—and set adrift. Uh, there would be no reason for her to come back to Palestine. What's no. that, that? Yeah, okay, it just wouldn't. Okay, so however long now, it's possible that she was raised and spent some of her childhood in Britain. That's conceivable. Okay, so again, uh, uh, Kennedy doesn't express himself well. He doesn't, I don't know if he proofreads his own articles. I don't know. Back to you. 
<laughs> okay, let's read on. Um, is it reasonable to believe whole of the life of Jesus and Mary would have been completely ignored if they had been in Palestine during that period? Okay, is he it, is it questioning the time, this yeah. 30 years, when Jesus was, he, he didn't have started his ministry? He did. Yeah. I, well, I, yeah. yeah, let me answer that question. I mean, uh, we have very little, you know, we talked about the Apostle James last week. Hardly anything about James at all in Scripture. Does that mean he left the area? Well, he may have, right? And But then he came back. I think that's the story we read last week, that he had gone to Spain and then uh, preached to the Israelites in Spain and then came back, and then, then he was martyred, okay? But I don't see Mary, uh, after giving birth and after the crucifixion, leaving Palestine and then having any reason to return after that. Now, maybe when she was a child, she accompanied her uncle, Joseph of Arimathea, to Britain and, uh, you know, camped out and, you know, frolicked in, in the uh, heather <laughs> and then came back to Palestine with Joseph, right? Now, that's, that's a possibility, right? But we have a very little evidence of that. Back to you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they just because they they in scriptures they we don't have the whole life of many of the apostles, same with Paul. So, but that doesn't mean that they were somewhere else, and they were probably they those there those I believe those people are described maybe in other phrasings, other names they could be referred to as other kind of. But I believe you can find traces of those people in other texts to to be yes. just. Confirming that they did, they were there and they existed. I believe that is the case. And probably, if you really dig into Roman history, you will probably also read about Paul. But that will be maybe in another way. But uh, I, I believe that's uh, how we need to research this stuff. Right. Well, yeah. But I don't, uh, okay. So, so he asks a series of questions here, which are you know good questions. But I think the answer in every case is that. You know, the history you know, 2,000 years ago, there may have been his histories written about these things, but they're just lost. Okay, so you know, so uh, but uh, I think uh, part of the problem, part of the blame lies lies with the churches, who have no interest in historical Christianity whatsoever. Okay, all right, back to, back to you. Yeah, exactly. Their 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 what to say? Interest lies in the to get more money into their their yeah into their big gap. They want to get any money. That's the only thing you want. They want to get as many people as possible into their into the churches and then take their money. And it's nothing about to give it them Christian history. Instead about this social gospel or gospel or making people feel good. Mm-hmm. It's important that people feel good, even even when society is collapsing all around them. Yeah, isn't that the bail priest? What they did also. Yes. Okay. And, okay. Let's let's read this question and see what is what we yeah. can find out here. Okay. Next question is: Why was not the early life of the miraculous mother and child the inspiration for constant speculations and writing? It should have been. Yeah, I agree. It should have been. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Um, why? Apart from the Passover um, incident when Jesus was 12, is three, um, is there no record in the Bible of anything he said or did in the Holy Land until he returned? Okay, well, uh, now I think, you know, because he wasn't there, <laughs> right? Yeah. He, he wasn't there. Yeah. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. That's my my take too. That he wasn't there. He he was he he was somewhere else, and and I believe somewhere else, probably Britain. He, he was in Europe. I believe he was yes. walking. Yes, I yeah. believe that. I believe maybe of course also America. Now the, I think uh, every, everything we've read up to this point tells us that Mary and Joseph had stayed in Palestine uh, while Jesus departed with his uncle. Okay, now maybe he's suggesting that Mary. Went along as well? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe that's what he's trying to suggest. Back to you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. Uh, yeah, I think he he with his with Jesus' uncle. He did. He did see the world. That's. Uh, yeah. Uh, I believe he did. And if he he it wasn't his uncle was a very he was a merchant, so he did travel all over the world. Yeah, he went on that Swedish cruise line called the called the Vikings. <laughs> Oh no, uh, no Phoenicians. Sorry, sorry, the Phoenician cruise line. There you go. Yeah, Phoenician right. cruise line. Yeah. Probably they were from the racial stock that are up here. Amen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Why do we read nothing in the Bible about Jesus apart from the Passover incident until he was thirty to forty years old? Yeah. Yeah, because he wasn't. He wasn't there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Why do we read nothing again in the Bible about Mary until Jesus was about 30, 40 years old? Okay. I believe she, she weren't really, well, of course she's important for the narrative, but she wasn't yeah. really, it was about Jesus Christ, not about yeah, Mary. Right. Yeah, and there's nothing about Joseph either. No, okay. exactly. They're right. not part of the, uh, yeah. the, of course they're important, but they're not, uh, the, uh, Jesus Christ is the right. line of Judah. So he is the important here. Why would you talk about his parents? I yeah. don't know. This is not, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's. Yeah. yeah, I think Arnold's just expecting too much, you know, from uh, history, from history. That, uh, you know, it's, it's hard enough looking back 2,000 years to get the details we've got and get them, get them right, okay? So, you know, but, yeah, it's, he's asking these questions. I think he's actually indicting the historians, you know, for not digging deeper and not preserve. But, see, even in the early days of Christianity, it was in constant turmoil uh, already. Before, before Jesus w- was arisen, there were uh, fakes, you know, like Simon Magus trying to distort the religion even before it got off the ground, okay? So there was this constant conflict, and it has, has never ceased even today. It just has not ceased. Christianity has always been under attack by fakers who are trying to distort the, distort the true record and just distort the message, which is the covenant message of the, you know, a covenant between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Yahweh, and their descendants. That's what the Bible is all about. It is not a book of religion for everybody. It is not. Back to you. Yes, exactly. I can just agree on, on what you said. They they want to cover up the... Because they, they know if, if we get back to our God, we will get so blessed and they they won't have a chance. And they, right. <laughs> I mean, they won't have a chance, really. And that's why they want to attack us. And because we, our, it is the truthful yeah. message. That's the, and it's only God that exists. There is no other gods. They're just phonies. And so that's okay. And they are, yeah, a bit jealous, maybe, <laughs> about yeah, it. Right, right. Right there. Yeah, so that's they just want to yeah make us. Uh, otherwise, they can't defeat us. Yeah. If, okay. If we would 
Yeah, maybe we're being a little hard on Kennedy here. I think he's asking these questions for uh, uh, for the benefit of Judeo-Christians, uh, you know, uh, novice Christians or Christians who aren't really, you know, uh, interested in history. And maybe he's asking these questions for them. You know, why why haven't these subjects been covered by your pastors? Maybe that's the spirit in which he's asking these questions. Okay, back to you. Yeah, I believe that could be because yeah, why why haven't haven't they told you why why are they only yeah so um, that could be um because both uh, you and me are we like history very much so that's right. uh, so but yeah I believe that could be a good how to view it yeah. like the next one why would Jesus be asked to pay the visiting strangers tax if he had been living in Judea now that's it that's a good question uh, because he was a Judahite. Okay, just because you went on an 18-year trip, <laughs> maybe they had a rule that maybe you have to have a, a previous tax record. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think whatever his residency status was in Palestine, his descent from King David was unquestionable. Okay, so he could have, uh, but he was in, actually in the same situation that Paul was. That uh, you know, he, he paid. Uh, well, actually, Paul was a Roman citizen. Jesus wasn't, so he paid the visitor strangers tax. He could have paid the the Jude, Judean tax also. He he could have ch- paid either. Okay, so he chose to pay that ta- tax instead. Back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good. <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, visiting a stranger yeah. tax because he were away and, and probably I don't know. Yeah, keep the records when he comes back after eighty years. I mean, you have probably changed a bit you're not yeah. the same one as when you left so how yeah. could you know yeah he could have paid more tax just like all good good citizens want to pay more taxes right <laughs> okay oh, yeah. okay <laughs> leave it at that why did the local historians not mention jesus as being present during this period yeah, yeah but that's yeah uh, yeah okay i i don't and maybe some of those historians i don't then the well, question is is there is their interest to fo- to following Jesus Christ, or they right. maybe that's not their really their aim? But of course, there were historians right. that are Christians; they will try to do it. But I don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe they did, but they maybe referred to no, me. No, they other, did. No, no. Uh, there were all kinds of Roman and Greek historians who did mention Jesus Christ in their records. Uh, and uh, Pontius Pilate wrote a letter to Tiberius Caesar. So Tiberius Caesar was uh, aware of him. Various Roman historians at least gave him a mention that uh, because they had to ascribe the, the Christianity to some force, to some god, okay? And they, they gave Jesus the credit for it. You know, uh, just because... You know, we have to understand there's been a conspiracy against Christianity from the very beginning. You know, all these atheists and academics who, who want to deny that Jesus even walked the earth, right? And so, but the fact is, there's more documentation of the life of Christ from various secular records than there is of Julius Caesar. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and this with Pontius Pilate, that is... Uh... Uh, record that is totally independent that he did this this uh, in in Jerusalem he did exist and he did mention Jesus Christ he had a description of how he how he looked right this Caucasian guy and yeah. the, that this very peaceful peaceful guy yeah right so yeah, yeah he, he did 
make a very good portrayal of him. Amen. Yeah. Very good description. Yeah. Okay, please continue. Uh, okay. Uh, why are the, the records in Britain for the period when he was missing from the whole land if he had not been in Britain? There you yeah, go. Very good. <laughs> now, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that, which deserves an answer. Okay, yeah. So go, go ahead and, you know, this is like uh, a highlighted section. Go ahead and finish the highlighted section, and then I want to read the poem by William Blake, or at least portions of it. Okay. okay. Um, some will say this is because he did not declare himself to be Messiah until then, a strange theory. Did not the star of Bethlehem, the wise men, and the herald angels proclaim him to be the savior of Israel at his birth? Did not Mary herself make that very proclamation in the mag magnific magni thought, Magnificat? Yeah. Did not Simon declare that Jesus was the Messiah in the beautiful song of um, Simeon? Yes. Okay. Well, again, you know, because there was such a large amount of time between his childhood, his departure, and his return, you can imagine that the Israelites living in Judea just forgot about it, <laughs> you know? And then and then when he finally came back, is who are you, <laughs> right? So the, if the Israelites themselves forgot about it, you know, why wouldn't history forget about it, right? So I, I think uh, that pretty much uh, answers that question, okay? So William Blake wrote a song about, or at least a, a hymn, or maybe it was just the poetry, I don't know who turned it into a, a hymn, about uh, Jesus in Britain. William Blake's hymn, Jerusalem, has won the hearts of the English, consistently emerging as the nation's favorite. This is from The Sun, which is, uh, well, it's, we can't believe The Sun, it's one of those tabloids. <laughs> All right. But is it England's national anthem? And do you know the words? Here's the lowdown on the hearty hymn sung by England's athletes for the start of the Commonwealth Games. Is it England's national anthem? They, well, God Save the Queen is the national anthem. And so here are the lyrics, and the title of the poem is Jerusalem. And did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's mountains green? And was the holy Lamb of God on England's pleasant pastures seen? And did the countenance divine shine forth upon our, <clears throat> I'm choking up, our clouded hills? And was Jerusalem builded here among those dark satanic mills? Bring me my bow of burning gold, bring me my arrows of desire, bring me my spear, O clouds unfold, bring me my chariots of fire. I will not cease from mental fight nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. Wow, what a poem. Back to you. Yeah, that is, that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. It is. And then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, should, it should be our national anthem, too. <laughs> All right, we'll see about that. Maybe when, when, when the kingdom comes. Because the New Jerusalem is supposed to come down here on the earth, and it's uh, America is big enough <laughs> to hold it. <laughs> All right, let's continue. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's continue with Arthur. Yeah. Yes. If we want an unbiased assessment of the events of the first Christmas, does not Herod 
albeit unwittingly, give us the witness. Did not Herod himself, having studied the astrological predictions and the prophetic predictions, tell us by his actions that, in his opinion, Jesus was none other than the Messiah of Israel, born that day in Bethlehem. And here now, he's referring that, that, that Jesus Christ was born on Christmas, and I don't believe he was. This is right. a pagan, pagan view. <laughs> right. It's a pagan. I, I don't, do you, yeah. in your opinion, Eli, when do you believe that uh, he was born? Uh, I believe he was born on September 29, 2 B.C., yeah, uh, maybe the Feast of Tabernacles, the last great day of Feast of Tabernacles. Okay. Yeah, and that and, makes sense. Yeah, and and the proof is that there were no. Uh, it, it got cold in Palestine in midwinter, and the shepherds did not have their flocks running around in midwinter. They no. they, they kept them in yeah. barns. Okay. So yes. uh, yeah, and so it's uh, you know the the Christmas story is made up now. Uh, I'm. But that's that's nine months. The uh, what do you call it? Um, the uh, impregnation would have occurred around Christmas time, okay? And then he would have been born nine nine months later, okay? Back yeah. to you. Yeah. Could All right. I, now, could this be the reasons why we have the nine eleven? They want you to associate the the beautiful birth of our Messiah with that day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so I believe also it's September. They want to, the, and they also want to put, uh, yeah, to believe, oh, 9 11. Uh, yeah, well, our Messiah was born. Uh, no, we have to, oh, you know, the terror <laughs> attack. Yeah. yeah you're, don't distort Christianity even worse than it already is, please. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, the next generation will think that that's when it happened, right? Yeah, they, they can rewrite history, and our people believe it. Yeah, that is a sorry state. That is a sorry state. Okay, let's continue. Did he not proclaim the fact that his comprehension of the ancient prophecies, um, a comprehension which seemed not uh, to have been shared by the religious leaders of his day, was that they were being fulfilled in Jesus? Okay, now this is a really good point he makes here. The fact is the common people of Judea, namely the Israelites, not not the Edomites that had become citizens, or, yeah, well, they were made citizens by John Hyrcanus around uh, 121 B.C., but that does not make them Israelites, okay? This is why I wrote him this uh, letter to explaining the difference between a Judahite and a Jew, right, and, and an Edomite. So you have to understand that the Israelites... We're still, the Judahites still living in Palestine, they stuck to their religion and did not, you know, uh, distort the religion. The distortion always comes from the top, from the bribable priests. The, the Levitical priest was in decline already, and there's hardly a Levite to be found anywhere. And, and when he was uh, sacrificed at Calvary, that put an end to the Levitical priesthood. Their purpose was to engage in all those rituals until the Messiah comes. And that's what happens. Okay? But we see that even in Christ's day, when he returned, there were still a few Levites walking around. Okay? And some of them still performing sacrifices, but they had also been infiltrated by Edomite Pharisees. And the Pharisees 
had pretty much taken over the religious duties by the time Jesus returned. Okay, so th this is the exact historical situation, and if you're not aware that these, uh, you know, these two groups existed and were vying for control of the religion in those days, the Pharisees had actually become the uh, agents of Rome, which a Levitical priest would never do, never do. I mean, the uh, Israelites fought wars against the Greeks and the Romans in order to prevent the religion from being paganized, all right? But the Pharisees had no such compunction because they weren't Israelites and they didn't care about the Mosaic Law. They were just pretenders, okay? So, mm -hmm. uh, so this uh, distinction between Judahites and Judeans and Edomites is very important to understand what was really happening in those days. Back to you. Yeah, and what I come to think about when you said this, agent of Rome. And today, what has changed? Nothing has changed. Today, the priests are the agent of the Rothschilds. There you go. Yes, they and are. And the government. Mm -hmm. So they are. They, and nothing has changed. N nothing is new under the sun. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so, but it's interesting. If you read Josephus, he will tell you that, he tells us that the common people were, were convinced that Jesus was the real deal. Okay, he, he was the Messiah. It was the common people on so-called Palm Sunday, and when he rode into Jerusalem sitting on an ass, that he was proclaimed Messiah by the people. Not, not by the government, certainly not by Herod, uh, certainly not by the Pharisees, but it was by the Israelite people who proclaimed him to be Messiah when he rode into Jerusalem on an ass. Okay? It was the common people. And it has always been the common people that have kept the religion alive. All right, back to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. from the top it gets distorted. And because they, it's about, yeah, they get distorted. And, of course, they don't want to have the, the real deal. They didn't want to have the Messiah because they know then they would fall again. So, again, you have a have um, non-Judahite uh, non at the throne, and he didn't want to be the throne. He wanted to have That's his right. kingdom. Mm-hmm. Herod. Herod and his, Herod. Uh, and his uh, two generations of sons after him and then, yeah. then, then died out. Okay. All right. Back to you. Okay. Should we continue? Yes. Okay. New ordinary and unsubstantial claim of a young girl that her conception was of God would have been so alarming to him that he would have unleashed the slaughter of the innocents. Yeah. So, Herod, you know, yeah. What would Herod care about some claim? by a peasant girl that she uh, she was impregnated by god <laughs> right uh, you know well it happens all the time right <laughs> back to you uh, exactly yeah mm -hmm. was it not herod's understanding the understanding of the wise men the understanding of the um, shepherds that this child was the messiah the king of israel and this when it said the understanding of the shepherds is that, could that also be a reference to the common man? Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, uh, I don't think it was Herod's understanding. Herod could care less. You know, he said, okay, well, maybe this, is, this rumor is true, that this little kid in Bethlehem is the Messiah. Well, if it is true, I have to kill him. All right? So I don't think he under, you know, he, he wanted to believe. He certainly didn't want to believe that. 
didn't care, but just in case, he, he wanted to kill him, all right? That's the best he could say for Herod, you know. He didn't care. He was not a follower of Israel religion at all. He was a pagan. He built all kinds of Greek and Roman statues in Caesarea and other places. And the Israelite people were constantly demanding that Rome get rid of him because he's not one of their people. They knew he was an Edomite and wanted Rome to, you know, to get rid of him and have one of their own people rule over them as Tetrarch. Okay? That, that was the actual situation. But uh, you, you only get that from Josephus and from the Apocrypha. That information is not very evident from the scriptures. Back to you. Exactly, yeah. They have covered their tracks. That's right. That is why we don't have the Apocrypha anymore, In the, why they have covered that up for now. Yeah, we have to buy the older ones to find this apocryphal text and this other, um, yeah. as I said, Josephus, his book. And he wasn't, a, as you said, a Jew. He, Jew, he was a Edomite. Yeah. No, sorry, he was a Judite. Oh, yeah, there you sorry. go. <laughs> See how easy it is to get confused? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he was a Judite that did, oh, did describe described history and he was i guess he had to be a bit careful because the roman overlords right yeah and uh, yeah and that's a good point because josephus himself had to write very carefully because he did not uh, dare to offend the roman gods i.e the caesars okay so he couldn't be proclaiming jesus as a god Uh, and when he does describe that this he puts it in terms like this is the man that the locals call their god. You know, he puts it in, in ways like that. So, because he did not dare offend Caesar. Okay, back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's continue then. Um, why? There's some more statements here, I guess. So let's yes. read them. Why should we be asked to believe this for or was for, forgotten and Jesus lived for 38 years without comment from those who had been there in that miraculous in that nativity day well uh, it's obviously part of the plan that for him to disappear and come back as an unknown that uh, it's it's actually very symbolic right <laughs> so he's coming he's coming back very soon again and guess what the vast majority of christian israelites won't recognize him yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, it's the same as it will be again. Yeah, he did. He did disappear out of uh, their worldview. He was away, and then he came back. Same again as yeah. the second coming. He has been away now for some time, and then he will come back again. But this yeah. time, he won't be that. Um, he will be that lion of Judah. I guess more lion this time. Yeah, that's more lion, less lamb. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, he was about his father's business when he was in Britain. There's no doubt about that, because oh, yeah. the the seeds in the British church had to be planted, and that's probably and because uh, Palestine it was going to end in Palestine anyway. All right, for that reason. Yeah. Back to you. And that, okay. And that he did. And that he did know. So he had to yeah. Yeah, keep his people know where they were. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's continue. Why, if Jesus was saving himself for later years, why did he go out of his way at the age of 12 to demonstrate that he should be about his father's business? He was obviously preaching and debating them. Did he suddenly stop being about his father's business when he was 12 and, and not start again until he was 
approaching 40. Why should he do that? As yeah. you said, you yeah. did talk about that before. He did. Right. He did. Uh, he did do his father's yeah. business. Yeah. Okay. So these questions are being asked uh, rhetorically for Christians who don't know any history. <laughs> Right, yeah, and uh, you know, have never thought about. It. Yeah, most Christians have never. Well, why did Jesus disappear? Where did he go? They don't even ask. They don't even ask these questions. So, uh, so I guess he's trying to stir interest in the minds of uh, you know pansy Christians, for lack of a better word, you know, Christians who really aren't interested in the history of their own religion. Right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so these are important questions for those people, but for us, these questions are like they're a no-brainer. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, because uh, Christianity and and the uh, uh, Anglo-Saxon Caucasian people who are Israel had to you know had to expand all over the world as, as according to the prophecies. So, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, and so we understand these things, and so these questions seem a bit childish to us. Back to you. Yeah. Uh, probably is trying to disturb the spirit, maybe in the one yeah. that haven't really yeah. considered it. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, so he could probably ask questions like this in a Judeo-Christian pulpit without a- getting anybody angry, <laughs> right? Yeah, but if you start telling him that the Jews aren't Israelites and that the people in the pews are Israelites, then then you get a lot of murmuring, <laughs> and maybe he get thrown out of the church. Back to you. And probably get thrown out of the church by the Freemason priest. There you go. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Why should we be asked to imagine that Jesus did not preach or debate his message in the whole whole of his life except on that one occasion at Passover when he was 12? Mm -hmm. Can we believe that after that one statement he stayed silent until he preached himself to John the Baptist for baptism? Well, more the same. He has, of course, he did debate it uh, for a time. He probably also debated the Druids up in <laughs> up yes. in Britain. Yes, for sure, for sure. And uh, uh, the Druids, the Druids had vestments very similar to those of the Levitical priesthood. Okay, because they had been transplanted to Britain probably uh, around fifteen hundred BC, if not earlier. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many in, in the Druids, how many were them as group? Was it something considered how many they were? Was it like the same as with the um, Levite? Was it 12 of them or something like this? There's this okay. numbers all yeah. of us? How that? Well, the, the Druids had a prophecy that some guy named Yezu <laughs> would uh, would come and uh, be, be the Messiah. Some guy named Yezu, all right? So the Druids had that uh, prophecy, uh, they took that prophecy with them, and uh, Julius Caesar, when he invaded Britain, said that the Druids were the most educated people in all of Europe, and they had, uh, uh, what do you call it, Uh, monasteries of learning, uh, universities, I think he referred to them as universities, of uh, great learning established in Britain. So they weren't any slouches. They were very highly educated people, which you would expect of Levites. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because when we speak about, I just I can just make that comment also that uh, as we to- we have spoken for maybe two times ago about Odin, and Odin also had the Druids, not the Druids. He didn't call them that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were called Drottar. 
So okay. and they were when he did travel up to Sweden and settle down here, he had twelve of them with him. That okay. were the they were the one that did the they were the religious and they also did all those um, the rituals. Uh, okay. Yes, they did. They were probably the druids. They are the the equivalent of the druids up here in the north. Right. And same as um, what I say the the present day castle of of the Swedish king today, they live at a place called Drottningholm. You have the same name there. It is mm-hmm. the, the island of Drottar. Okay. So, so that's uh, what it's called up here. That's where it, where it comes from. All right. Now, okay. Uh, so, yeah, Drott, okay. So, but uh, as I understand the word Drood, uh, it was originally pronounced Drood, D-R-O-O-D, instead of Druid. Somehow the... Uh, the spelling is different, and uh, it, it turned into a two-syllable word. word. Uh, it means oak. So is that, is that what it means in Swedish? Uh, yeah, but it's kind of interesting that you say that, because the island where uh, Drottningholm is placed, the, what you say, the community where it's placed, is called Ekerö, and that is oak, oak island. Okay, oak island. All right, there you go. So, so uh, yeah, And so the paganized Israelites... Uh, uh, venerated the oak tree. Yeah, they did as here as well. The oak mm-hmm. tree they did all their what to say. There have if they had some kind of uh, what to say um, R- rituals. Um, yeah, yeah, rituals and also uh, when yeah, yeah. Sorry for digressing. I'm yeah. <laughs> no, no, it, uh, it's important because our history just just proves our our view of history is accurate. That uh, uh, that the druids were in fact Levites who uh, you know. Because their people venerated the oak tree, that's where they had their rituals. But they nevertheless retained a lot of their Israelite knowledge and Israelite tradition. Okay, mm-hmm. they were just partially paganized, <laughs> right? But that's too, a little part too much, right? But that's the yeah. way. That's our history. That is our history. Yeah, but we mm-hmm. keep much. We keep those like the oak tree, having that one as the. Uh, that's uh, very central for us. And isn't the same in the court courts? Don't you have oaks in your courts uh, in America? Oaks. Uh, they're, they're uh, yeah, like... oak tree. Yeah, oak tree. Uh, the the furniture, everything in in the in the in the courts. Isn't oh, that of oak? Could be, you know, because uh, we had a lot of really good carpenters. Oak is very difficult to work with because it's yeah. hard wood. You know? yeah. But yeah, so that's considered the the class of uh, wooden furniture. You know, oak and walnut, that that, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, and I think they also had the courts. Had the, what I say when they uh, also under, under the oak trees. That's also a description I've read. So and so the oak is very central also here. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm just looking this up. The ancient Celtic druid, GaelicMatters.com. Druid means knowledge of the oak. So probably because the you know, the oak tree was good for shade. It, it, it was spread out very wide, and you could have a meeting. Uh, uh, sheltered, you know, kind of like an umbrella <laughs> or a parasol. The oak tree would be a parasol. And uh, so as long as there weren't any birds pooping on your head, <laughs> right, maybe you could scoot them away, shoo them away before you had a meeting. So that's the value of the oak tree. Okay. It was just, I think it was just a practical matter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Should we continue? Yes. Just- I was looking for the same for the drott to see if it become some kind of um, same same, but it's a it it's is an, uh, yeah, but it's an um, it is an, a kingly or a priestly t- uh, title that is. Oh, okay. What it is. All 
All right. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Okay. Yeah, and they have the same for Iceland. They also had the same the same title for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what is the meaning of Druid? It is believed that the word Druid comes from the ancient Indo-European word Deru, meaning steadfast, but is also related to the Celtic word for the sacred tree, oak. The root or id part of the word is associated with the word wid, meaning to know. So, basically, Druid means knowledge or wisdom of the oak, or uh, knowledge or wisdom of the Levitical priests who retained it, okay? So, yeah. and of course, in German, wit, uh, wit means knowledge in German, okay? Uh, Wittschaft, wit, wit, or Wissenschaft is science, okay? And, uh, you know, so there's, there's a connection there with German as well as uh, Swedish, all right? So, yeah, basically our history, yeah, so basically the word Druid means knowledge or wisdom of the oak or from under the oak, I think is really where it comes from. Back to you. Yeah, and, and the Swedish word for, for knowledge, would you say, and, and science is vet and vet and skap, so okay. very similar to German. Yes, very good. Okay. Okay, let's continue now. I see the time is clicking. Yes. Okay. If he did not remain silent during those years, then one would not expect him to have preached any other message than the one for which the religious hierarchies um, so savagely attacked him when he was of major age. Mm -hmm. Then why did they not attack him sooner if he had been saying the same thing for 30 years or so? Why did their hatred burst forth so much later? And why was it then that they started to um, in, uh, interrogate, interrogate him uh, at a time so late in his ministry when the damage was almost done. Well, because those people that did attack him weren't up in Britain yet. It was yes. his own people. Right. Now, yeah. that's what I do. Well, I think also, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, that had Jesus stayed in Palestine for those years while the pharisees were taking charge of religion in judea uh you know, he would have been constantly under attack okay he had a he had to come back as a full-grown adult to claim the throne okay yes. and to be a priest i think because he had to be 30 years of age to be a, a priest okay so uh, so there's practical reasons why he had to depart okay back to you yeah, and and he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't um, disobey his own laws. Right, he has to follow his laws, and that's one of his laws. His laws. Yes. Okay, okay. let's right. continue. Um, Jesus seemed uh, to have had any disciples or followers in Palestine prior to that fateful last period of his life. Again, we must ask why. Would it not be more natural in view of the astonishing event at his birth? that he would have gathered around himself people who agreed with him or were at the least curious much sooner. Well, they were probably up in, right. they were in, in Britain. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, again, uh, now that I think about it, had he stayed in Palestine for those 18 years, there would have been constant strife between himself and the Pharisees. And, uh, and who knows what that would have resulted in. So there had to, and there had to be that peacetime period between the Parthians and the Romans uh, before he could uh, actually proclaim himself Messiah, which he did. He proclaimed himself Messiah several times. Uh, 
uh, a lot of uh, scholars deny that he did. He, he most definitely did. And then, uh, you know, so, but this was part of the whole working out of the prophecy, which had to be fulfilled to the letter, to the second, you know, with the uh, curtain rent in twain and the earthquake. All this stuff was choreographed by Yahweh, you know, before the world was even formed, okay? So uh, there are reasons Yahweh said, uh, well, it's better that you depart for these 18 years and come back for the climactic event, (laughs) right? Rather than have all kinds of strife and turmoil leading up to it for many, many years. No, he had to come back as a somewhat of a stranger for the uh, story to be fulfilled, to be completed. All right, back to you. Yeah, yes, that makes sense. Okay, why is there no mention to be found of the kind of relationship he had with his foster father, Joseph, or of the activities of the Virgin Mary in Palestine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, these, uh, these are general questions that are good to ask a, a Judeo-Christian. You know, wh- why didn't your pastor tell you about these things, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes, okay, let's see if you can finish off this uh, this part of the article. I think this could be a way, good yeah. way maybe to stop. Yes. Um, it seems evident that Joseph died soon after Jesus was 12 years old, and that his relative, Joseph um, of Arimathea, became Jesus' legal guardian. The evidence is available that Jesus traveled with his guardian to the center of his guardian's activity in the ten mines of Britain. Amen. And that yes. his, his, was, his base was Glass, Glastonbury. So his base was Glastonbury. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's what we have been saying. Yes, yeah. But of course, this is something that the average Christian has no knowledge of whatsoever. You know, so, uh, you know, this is really, it's so basic, it's its kind of too basic for us, <laughs> right? But this is important information that uh, if you tell if you tell your Judeo-Christian relatives and friends, hey, did you know that Jesus was in Cornwall, England, for those 18 years? <laughs> and they'll say, so what? <laughs> right? Well, I'll tell you, so what? The very first Christian above-ground church was built in Glastonbury in Cornwall, England. Did you know that? Really? I thought it was Rome. No, it was not Rome. It was Cornwall. Okay? So it's at least a good conversation starter. (laughs) All right? Okay, back to you. Okay, we have a question why there is no record, not only in the New Testament, but in any other um, contem, um, contemporary already middle east manuscript uh-huh, right. of family life of Jesus. We think of him and there have been many imaginative sermons about him being brought up in his father's uh, carpenter's shop in Nazareth. Mm-hmm. But there is no record of him having been an apprentice carpenter in the Bible. We owe that uh, flight of imaginations to uh, preachers and Bible commentators who seem hard-pressed to explain the 38-year silence. Right. No one who is really interested in the story of Jesus and his mother Mary can put such questions into limbo. They are questions which demand answers. The wolf silence does not correspond with... uh, 
what we know of human nature. Yes. Well, I mean, uh, what we, uh, it's, it's more important what we know of history and why Yahweh would uh, have his son travel away from Palestine for those 18 years. I'm sure that Joseph of Arimathea was a very good uncle and uh, he probably uh, read uh, or was taught by Joseph about the history of Israel. Not that he really needed to, but uh, you know, to get confirmation and support from uh, Joseph of Arimathea. And uh, so, okay, uh, son, Jesus, Yahshua, you're going to have to go back to Palestine and die on a cross. <laughs> really? <laughs> Why? <laughs> right? So I, I can see him having a conversation with Joseph along those lines and preparing himself for that. Okay? He needed uh, peace, solace, uh, quiet time away from Palestine to prepare himself for all of this. I know I would have, right? Uh, rather than constant turmoil. To, to face up to what was coming, okay? Uh, to me, that, that makes the most sense, all right? Back to you. By the way, we have about six minutes left. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with he, he If he would have been down in Palestine, the Pharisees would have been attacking him constantly. Yes. So that's that's make it makes sense that he couldn't have been there because they would probably then have uh, yeah. tried to to uh, distort the prophecies also about him. Yes. <laughs> now we have to, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, I believe that is, um, that's why he didn't, he weren't there. <laughs> yes. He would have been thrived to have been in uh, with the Pharisees. Okay, all right, so the mystery woman of the apocalypse, let's, let's finish up with that. Yeah, do you want to read on, or should okay. I read? Okay, well, yeah, I'll pick it up here. Let's, uh, let me get an exact time here. Okay, we only have four minutes left, okay, so... All right, so I'll just try to run through this real quick. Yet, though tradition is silent in the land of Jesus' birth, there is no such silence in British recorded tradition. We have seen that traditions regarding Jesus' presence in Cornwall and Somerset during his childhood abound. It is evident that Joseph of Arimathea was in the tin trade, and we must be impressed by the fact that the traditions concentrate on Somerset and Cornwall. Where there is or has been uh, no tin or lead, neither is there this tradition. <laughs> okay, very good. But I, I, I imagine it's all over the place in Britain, but maybe it's just in those two areas. I don't know. We see from this that the traditions regarding Jesus coming to Britain are not at all indiscriminate. There is a definite link with the tin and lead trades. Every circumstance cries out that Jesus was not in Palestine during those silent years, and in view of the early death of Mary's legal husband, Joseph, all reason cries out that Mary was not there either. Well, I don't know about that. You know, he's speculating there. Uh, my, my feeling is that she remained in Palestine, and, uh, you know, because she had others, other children. Were they brought up in Britain, too? Or in Judah, okay? So you, know, you have to figure that into the equation. You know, James and John and others. She had more children besides Jesus. After the miraculous one, she had children the normal way, okay? So uh, I think she stayed behind in Palestine. And Joseph probably came back and forth several times, many times. It wasn't that long a trip. It only took a week, right? What's the big deal, all right? So, uh, again, the important thing to take away from this is the Israelites in those days got around. 
they weren't isolated to this one single territory called Palestine. Back to you. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, I did. Uh, I just fall away a bit. Yeah. So uh, over to you. I, I, hey, okay. I lost a bit my. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of speculation going on here by Arnold Kennedy. It's worthwhile to pique people's interest in the actual history of uh, you know Yahshua and the Holy Family. Uh, what most people outside of identity have no knowledge of, you know, we're, we're pretty much uh, aware of all these things, but uh, the rest of the world is not. Okay, but uh, you know, why should uh, why should non-whites care about any of this? You know, why no. should Africans care? Why should Asians care? They don't. They don't. They absolutely do not. The, the covenant message is that Jesus came for His people, Israel. Number one at the cross to redeem Israel for past sins and he will come again to destroy his enemies okay primarily the edomites but you know, there's plenty of enemies within his own race people who have rejected him and would turn him over to the pharisees again if they had the chance michael they would yeah yeah, okay. that's true because they they were probably trying to get him for oh that is hate speech something like that <laughs> right healing people without a medical license right okay and performing miracles etc cetera, etc cetera. all right folks that's today's show and uh, that will complete our study of Arnold Kennedy's very interesting article on the Holy Family thanks for listening and see you next time.